0: Into the wild I'm going, into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child, since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'm going, into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child, since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society Podcast.
1: joined today by the brilliant radical feminist Lear Keith. This is part of our emergency three-part series to help raise awareness around the current war on women and girls, aka the executive order that President Biden has signed that further eradicates sex-based protection for women and girls. We will get into the political agenda behind the push for transgenderism, the ways in which this bill will and has harmed women and girls, and why the time is now to be on the right side of history. Please support the resistance. You can donate and give signatures to help fight this bill at www.womenpicketdc.org. Hey, welcome, welcome. Thank you for being here.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for all your work. Yeah, you too.
1: So this is a real, a real honor for me and for our listeners. Um, and, and basically to frame this briefly before we dive in, uh, this is going to be one of the three-part series on really tackling uh, this executive order that Biden has um, just signed. And Uh, it's correlated to the women's picket that I'll be talking about um, in the newsletters and Instagram um, around why I'm going to DC to fight against this and why is uh, is going to harm women and girls. And so we are here to really break this down so that all of my listeners can get a quick digestible uh, framework for why we should care about this, why I and you both care about this so much and uh, to invite more women in into um, investigating the systems that are harming us and our sisters. Um, so why don't we just do a brief intro of you, who you are, and and give our listeners a little, a little tidbit.
2: Well, my name is Leah Keith, and I have been a radical feminist for 40 years now, which is a long time. Um, and I... Oh gosh, I mean, my a lot of my political work was around uh, stopping male sexual violence, pornography, and prostitution, essentially, um, and that became increasingly difficult because of the transgender takeover of the left. Um, so I have not really been able to do my work in a good long time. I've been not just canceled. I think a lot of us have been, you know, deplatformed from places where we're used to speaking and trying to organize and. I mean, we're out and out depersoned at this point. You know, we're, it's we're Nazis, we're turf, we're scum, we're whatever. We all deserve to die in a fire and whatever, yeah. you know, horrifying. White, insults. white supremacists. Yeah, yeah. Just, the only, only white people know where babies come from. Right. It's the most insulting bullshit. Yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, so I've been at this for a good long time. And I, I mean, my fight with this goes back to the early 80s. Some of us really have been engaged that long. Did I know it was going to get this bad? No, I never thought it would get to this, this stage. And I mean, every step of the way, you just keep thinking, oh, the adults are going to step into the room and just mm. see that this is crazy and make it stop. And that hasn't happened. Mm. Um, they've just built up you know, more more power, more money, more speed. Um, so this is really coming at us like a free train now. And I've, I'm sorry we, we were not able to stop it in the 80s when it was still small, but they're men. They have money, they have power. We, we've got nothing except truth, really. So, yeah. yeah.
1: So before we dive in, let's just lay out a couple of kind of basic, uh, some basic framework for anyone new to this conversation. So could you briefly just break down your take on what, what even is radical feminism when we use that term?
2: Okay. So radical feminism, I mean, I like to just call it feminism, but I know there's right. all these other branches. So um, the... Radical feminism really begins when in the, in the late 1960s, early seventies, when uh, women who had been working on all kinds of political and civil rights issues suddenly realized that, you know, we can apply this analysis to women, that, you know, the the basic idea that, you know, there's groups of people that, and some have power over, over other groups of people. So whether that's, you know, white people having power over black people and the civil rights movement is, you know, trying to fix some of those problems or you've got the anti-war movement. So you've got, you know, imperialism. And so there's countries that have power over smaller countries where they want to extract resources. So a lot of women came out of the anti-war movement. Um, you know, regardless, you end up with this framework where you, you try to understand how are these bad things happening? How, how is that organized? Who's in charge and how do we stop them? And as women, you know, they it, it suddenly became clear that that this also applies to our lives. It isn't just other people out there. Right. Um, and so the the main way that women developed feminism was through the process of consciousness raising. And what that meant was women sitting in groups and at least sharing the stories of lives. My mother went to consciousness in 1972. So I'm just, you know, I am <laughs> the, the glorious results sit before you. Um, <laughs> but what it meant was that women shared these details and you, come to realize fairly quickly that it didn't just happen to me and it didn't just happen to me because I happen to be, you know, somebody named Robin with blonde hair or, you know, somebody, whatever, like the particulars of your life have nothing to do with it. The fact Mm -hmm. is you're a woman and that's Mm -hmm. why that happened to me because it happened to her and her and her. And she and she and she are also terrified of it happening, even though they, it hasn't happened to them yet. So like, whatever the bad thing is, you realize that it's, done by a certain class of people to another group of people and in this case it's men doing it to women and then it's not natural you know it's not ordained by god it's not just the state of the universe This is some human beings doing it to other human beings which means it can be stopped
0: Hmm. so
2: that's really like the core of it um so taking political skills that were you know earned in these in these other kinds of environments women suddenly realized oh it's us too we actually have a set wow. of pretty profound horrors that have happened to us and we can name them and mm-hmm. we can understand like how does the society we live in, how do, How does it justify these things? How does it create humans who do these things? You know, it, it, it sort of looks like they're all in it together. Well, they are all in it together. You know, you've got the media, you've got religion, you know, you have the government, you have all of these different institutions that are essentially supporting the fact that men get to... More or less own women at that point Mm -hmm. and extract whatever they want from women, women's emotional lives, their. Their labor, their reproductive labor, sexual access, all of that, women are seen as the resource and men get to just take what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's
1: almost that radical feminists currently are like the last standing feminists, identified feminists who are truly women and girls committed, yeah. women and girls focused, because liberal fe- feminism now
2: includes men. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, it's not to say that men can't help. And men certainly have good reason to want the end of male domination. If they're going to put their souls and their hearts first, it they would be better off without this too. It's totally. Just, and
1: I, <laughs> I meant it includes men
2: in yes, as, female spaces. Yeah, which they don't. I, I mean, mean they don't. They, well, with they can be allies to feminism. They cannot be right. in feminism. Exactly. And that's a, a pretty, you know, that's pretty basic to it. You know, are you going to be fighting for this group of people Mm -hmm. named women or not? And, Mm -hmm. you know, human liberation is a great thing, but we're talking about women's liberation. So women's oppression is, it's shaped in a certain way. It's organized in a certain way. And it, it, Mm -hmm. there's ways that it parallels other kinds of oppression. And then there are ways that it's totally different. And that yeah. was where radical feminism came from. Was to say, but yeah, there are ways that it absolutely parallels. For instance, you know, racism. So the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was, you know, one of the the showpieces of the Civil Rights Movement, and it did a huge amount to help, you know, do something about racism in this country. People died to get that legislation passed, and women were added to it as an insult. That's not a joke. That's historically true. Um, the Southern racists who didn't want that to pass in Congress added sex as a characteristic, as a way to call people, to call men names, to literally say you're, you know, fill in the hate speech, you're pussies, essentially, if if you think that mm-hmm. black people can be equal to white people. And the senators all gritted their teeth and they passed it anyway, but it was meant as an insult and it was accepted as one. You can read the articles from the time period. Um, yeah. Everybody got that that was an insult. And you know what happened? Women have used it more than anybody else. This is what people will do <laughs> to gain freedom. Like, this is actually something yeah. that we can use, and they did. So women have used the Civil Rights of Nineteen the Act of Civil 64 to actually do a whole bunch to break down some of the barriers that women face to participate in public life. But the problem is that women's oppression isn't just about our participation in public life. There are Definitely. ways, like I said, there are ways that it parallels racism, and then there are ways that women's oppression is completely different because most of the real horrors that happen to women happen in, quote, private, in the private era. That's so rape, battering, incest, you know, prostitution, those kinds of things. That Civil Rights Act of 64 is never going to touch. Um, and that's why we needed radical feminism was because we had to put that, that that barricade of sexual terrorism is really what keeps women from, from having our full lives. And none of that is addressed by the legislation.
1: Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and if anyone is... Unclear, which I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, you are very clear. But we are, you know, using this word "woman" uh, with a very clear definition of adult human female, and you know, it's a, it, it's, it's an important word to identify a class of people, um, and that's part of why we're here today because there's so much um, gaslighting and and confusion, um, you know, in today's culture around this word "woman." Um, so would you briefly also speak to, before we get into um, the the order, um, what what does it mean to be gender critical and maybe just touch on sex versus gender? Because that is, um, I think, really a confusing piece for a lot of people who haven't had this stuff broken down yet.
2: Sex is a physical reality. It's been part of life on this planet for over 500 500- years. Um, so there are creatures that reproduce asexually, like bacteria. They just bud, so they essentially, you know, make a new little bit that then breaks off and becomes a new one. We don't do that, clearly. Um, what we use and most visible life that you see around you is going to be reproduce sexually. So, and and there's two sexes. There's not three. There's not five. There's not twenty. For, for mammals, <laughs> for almost entirely all animals, there's a few exceptions, but it, almost entirely all, you can say, with you know some a fair amount of um, certainty. When you look out at the world, what you're seeing are creatures that can reproduce sexually. So you have large gametes that don't really move, and those are eggs. And then you've got another group of gametes that are small and very quick moving, and those are sperm. And to make a, a new one of you, those two things have to combine. And there's various ways that they combine. And that's really fascinating how life does this thing. And you know, this rock started completely bare, rotating around a star, and all of a sudden life begins and then it covers the world pretty quickly. Um, so it's an amazing thing, and it's an amazing thing to be alive. Right? Mm-hmm. We all I think we lose track so easily of what a miracle this all is, but yeah. for all we know in the entire universe, this may be the only planet that has life on. So
1: we got to be so here.
2: Sex.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. Totally. So
2: sex is a biological reality. It's a reality. biological reality. And it's been around for a long time. And it works. I right. Mean, an, and we all
1: know that. We all know that.
2: It, there's not a person alive who does not know. We all know it. We know which one we yeah. are. We know what we can expect because of it. Gender is a yeah. totally different thing. And, um, you know, in my branch of feminism, which, you know, is basically real feminism, we see that there. are that there are two biological classes of people, but one is treated very differently than the other. And the rules that go into that, creating a dominant and a subordinate class, um, are sexual stereotypes, you might say. You might call it gender. Um, but it's, for men, I mean, they, they are socialized to be the people who are going to dominate. So it's all about aggression and ego and a, a violation imperative. Men become real men when they violate um, and for women, it's for girls. It's the opposite. It's you know, the, it's a series of c- constraining and usually fairly traumatic events that uh, make you then participate in rituals of submission, essentially. And that's what femininity is: is just submitting, is bearing your throat over and over, and saying yes, I'm the object. Yes, I'm the one that can be used. Um, and my, and my job here is to be your help. So whether you want sex i'll be the good girl who gives you sex if if you need love and support i'll be that for you if you need someone to give your children i will have baby after baby until i die and this has been you know most of the, the history of civilization has been men using women in those ways um mm-hmm. you know and i and i'm not saying that this is natural because it's not that's the entire point of feminism: is that this is not a constant throughout human society for our first say two million years on this planet uh, we didn't live like that. We were not monsters and destroyers and our purpose was not to torment half of us, torment the other. Um, mm-hmm. There's plenty of evidence to say that you know the original groups of humans that were here lived in fairly egalitarian ways where everybody had a voice in the community, how the community was going to be run. So, I mean, that's a whole different story, but that's, in you know, the last yeah. 10,000 years, certainly patriarchy begins and then you have increasingly hierarchical, violent militarized cultures and it absolutely be- begins with men having power over women so where there is hierarchy i mean one thing you can say where there is hierarchy it's always men over women there's no civilization that's ever existed no culture where me- women dominate men and inflict these kinds of constant casual terrifying harms on the other half of the human race that's never happened mm-hmm. so when there is a bad a bad thing it's it's always the men over the women right so there's that. So the point is that this can be questioned, it can be analyzed, and it can be changed. Um, now, the the male supremacists, what they're going to argue is that this is normal, it's natural, it was created by God, it was created by evolution, and what they mean is you can't question it. What they mean is it's like a solid part of the universe that's just there, and there's no point in fighting it. And yeah. so they're going to tell you that, this, you know, the psychology that that women tend to carry, which is really about being victimized, traumatized. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> I will bear my throat so that you don't. Um, that that is somehow natural to women, and that the other kind of psychology, which is all about dominating and taking, is somehow natural to the male half. And as feminists, we I don't believe it. I don't believe that's true right. of men, and I don't believe it's true of women. I think that these are things that are done to us, and we can resist them and have a better world. So,
1: and obviously, this leads into. The larger conversation we're about to have, which is, I'm going to speak for you and me because I I heard you also say this. Of course, we understand why women are trying to opt out of this. Of course, it makes complete. I wouldn't say it makes complete sense. It is completely understandable. understandable. I wouldn't. I actually would not say it makes sense. And I, I wanted to um, read a quote, if you don't mind, of something you said on a different podcast that I that I wrote down. That I wanted to just kind of put in here to to frame the rest of our conversation. Um, do you mind if I share it? No, please.
0: You don't know which one it <laughs> I is. But... Not a clue. <laughs> it's,
1: I clue. Hopefully, I
2: still like it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you will. I mean, it's a sad quote, but. Okay, so Lear said in a different uh, a different podcast. Um, so we're, she's talking about um, she's talking about trans identified females. Um, this is who she's referencing in, in this quote. Um, I understand why they hate their bodies, but they have been given the wrong story. In my generation, we did anorexia and cutting. This was how we did our self hatred. It was for the same reasons. We had all been molested, we were all looking at a culture that considered our bodies public property, ridiculous, insulting, worthy of contempt. They weren't ours to inhabit. They belonged to men and they didn't belong to us. We've all had the experiences of being harassed, groped, terrified, maybe raped. And I understand, there's no question as to why young girls feel the way that they feel when they become teenagers. You hit 11 or 12 and it's a completely different world walking down the street, it's terrifying. And you realize you'll never be safe again. So I get why they're doing it. But they don't have, quote, gender dysphoria. They have life and patriarchy. The only solution is feminism. It's a political movement that is going to change men's behavior. But they aren't being told that. What they're being told is that it's personal to them. They just happen to have a human, a special human essence that was born into a sadly female body but we can attend to that. You can take dangerous drugs, you can have horrible surgeries, and try to live under the wire as a faux man, and that's the option out. That about sums it up. That's a very, it's a very clear yeah. uh, encapsulation, yeah, you know, of, of what I also observe. Um, and yeah, I appreciated you just. Framing it this way, because this is a lot of the conversations um, that that women do have behind closed doors, you know, not in, in the public eye where they're going to be um, harassed, canceled, threatened, um, hate mail, <laughs> death threats, all, all of the stuff that happens to so many of us, um, You know, I'm you know, just as well as I do, that these conversations are so censored, they're so prohibited. They're so, um, like you said at the beginning, labeled as hateful or transphobic um, and any any of the like to, to shut this down. And so, um, you know, women like us, that just makes us kind of want to do it more because it shows the importance of it. And anywhere where uh, society, culture, government, whatever, wants to shut conversations down is a good gaping hole if that's where the words need to go. So,
2: yeah, I'll pass it over to you. Well, you know, I, I just never thought that the left in particular would take this up with such fervor because, I mean, it it just seems, well, be, even beyond the biological denial, right? Because, I mean, their whole thing is that now they're saying sex isn't real, that sex is a social construct. And I it, it's just be, bizarre beyond belief. Yeah, biology is now transphobic. Okay. They they really this is very postmodern, but they want to insist that it's all quote, quote meta narrative. So it's really just a story that we're telling ourselves that that somehow there's these two groups of, you know, very easily observable male and female. Um, I mean, you you know if you're one of the people who has to carry a tampon in the bottom of our knapsack, right. you know that you're that person. You know if you're someone who's you know likely to get pregnant, and no man is afraid of getting pregnant. Like right, this is absurd. We know this, right? But you've got people who, you know, are making this claim that that they're the people who are on the side of justice and they're the people who are on the side of human freedom. And what they're doing instead is they're asserting that gender, which is these very restrictive rules for men and for women. and We have separate boxes of what we're allowed to think and what we're allowed to be and what our interests are supposed to be. And they're saying that those are real. Like that that's somehow like cosmologically mm. true. You know, that or so such that you can be born in the wrong body. You're born, that's it. You have a body, that's it. You can't be born in the wrong one. You are just born. That's the end. You can't have the wrong one. It's all you get. Well, and back to the
1: quote I just shared, you know, you're you're contextualizing and compassionately, you know, naming why it, it is the case for so many females for so many little girls and women that we may want to opt out of the body we're born into. That's totally understandable. That's fair. Yeah. Doesn't mean you
2: can do it. Right. Well, I, it, but can't, I, be so it ev- can't be done. So every time people use words like, oh well, she transitioned, that's that's not a thing. Right. It's literally a nonsense statement. You cannot become the other sex. And like other physical realities, they just can't be overcome. I mean, I'm fifty-six. I'm not 20. Like right. my insistence that I'm 20 because I'm really miserable being middle aged isn't going to change it. And I can I could do all kinds of weird things. I could you know have whatever strange surgeries and whatever procedures. It's still not going to change it. I might be able to disguise it a tiny bit. Well, and the thing that needs to change is the exact thing that you know these tr- the tr- the transgenderists want to uphold as 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 real and true and good. And the thing that needs to change is how men treat women. I mean, what needs to change is you know the the, the displays of domination and then the ritualized displays of submission. You know, the masculinity, or the femininity, the idea that these things are sort of you know natural to the cosmos or you know created by nature, um, and they they take that as true and good and wonderful. Like that's what they want. That's the world they want. And so if you identify more with one set of characteristics than the other, then then that's true. Um, even if it's Completely, you know, against the physical reality, but more importantly, why do we want these sort of clusters of behaviors to continue? And that's really the problem for me is that they've they've naturalized and they've institutionalized and they've also eroticized domination and subordination, and that's really the core of it. Um, and nobody's allowed to say this out loud anymore. But I mean, that's really where this whole impulse for for the transgenderism—that's really the core of it, you know—and they call it autogynophilia. That's what Ray Blanchard named it. And it's, you know, these men have a a sexual fetish, a paraphilia, or the subordinate role that women are given in this culture. And that's the thing that they're obsessed with Mm -hmm. and they want to experience that. Um, They think it's a good thing and which is insulting enough, you know, given just the the amount of sexual Mm -hmm. violence perpetrated Mm -hmm. every single minute against women around the world. Um, But they think it's some kind of sexy fun and they want to, inhabit that they want to experience that and that's what they think women are so I mean it just they are just absolutely cementing in place all the stuff that feminists have been fighting the beginning of patriarchy and that's why it's so insulting to women to say Mm. that oh if you're cis I mean that word is supposed to mean that you somehow identify with this classification and there's Mm -hmm. not a woman alive who identifies with wanting to be subordinated I mean we're human beings we're not we're not a right. subordinate role we're not no I'm not and and nobody is so but that's what they're every time they say that they're cementing those roles as something normal, natural inherent in our brains and and I'm just never gonna give into that no, no subordinated person wants to be subordinated exactly right I'm not a cis woman,
1: I'm just a woman, and so many women are participating in this to virtue signal allyship of another underdog because they've been fed the lie that males saying they feel like a woman are somehow more oppressed than right. us.
2: There's no evidence that they are, first of all. I mean, there's literally right. no evidence. That they're actually, they have a way lower. There's all you know these statistics float around and suicide and the murder rate. And it's not true. They're one of the safest they're one of the safest demographics you can be is to, to, to be a man who thinks he's a woman. Uh, they actually have a much lower murder rate. They're actually more likely to be murderers than to be murdered. Exactly. Um, nobody wants to hear that, but it is true. And I really encourage people to take a deeper dive into some of these numbers because you've been fed a lie. I mean, it, none of this actually turns out to be true. Um, but on top of that, the, I mean, this whole idea that Women exist to take care of men and children. So there's, anthropologists have this concept of benevolent patriarchy. And what that means is that, like no culture will come out and say, oh, well, of course we're misogynist. Of course we subordinate women. What I've heard, and this is from cultures, I mean, just every, all over, you will get this sort of argument back. Oh no, we love women, we respect women. Our culture puts women, you know, up high and we know that they're better than men. And, um, you know, we respect women and they respect women to the extent that if women fulfill a certain role, you will get a tiny bit of protection, perhaps. And that role is Mm -hmm. that you're supposed to nurture men and children. And that's your role in life Mm -hmm. is to be the resource that men and children use. And if you fulfill that role, then you will be a respected woman. Um, and sometimes that's true. Sometimes you will get that respect in your community. If you never rock the boat, you never express a need, you never have a boundary, you just let men take what they want, then you're a quote, a good woman. Um,
1: It makes me think of with surrogacy, I've known women to choose to rent out, you know, their bodies, choose air quotes, you know, to rent out their body and and tell me, you know, I've never felt more celebrated. It's like, well, right. You played the ultimate role.
2: You did. So, yeah, you're going to get, you know, some little pats on the head for that. And that's benevolent patriarchy. If you do what men want you to do, uh, you will be considered a good woman. And right now in the culture, um, you know, that good woman, you know, in, in the 1950s, when my mom was growing up, that good woman was, you know, had a very different kind of role. And it really was a more kind of the housewife role where you were a nurturer you know, essentially that that was, you took care of the men and you took care of your children and all of that. And, you know, women in that generation had to break free. Well, it all shifted with the so-called sexual revolution. And then of course, the pornification of the culture. Now the good woman is a complete sexual object.
0: Mm-hmm. She's, you know, right. the cycle She's the slut. pole dancer. She will, she will do
2: anything to yeah. get let men have access to her body. And she's a better woman than the rest of us. Well, that's so either way Well, it's absolutely. That's empowering, which is why, hmm, Powerful men who run governments and corporations do it all the time. Totally. Well, no, they never do it. Um, so, but, so that shifted no, a bit. No, Obama was but, a
1: cam girl, wasn't he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's the, still the same concept, though, is that you are a resource for men to use. So mm-hmm. uh, when I see women who take up this the, the, sort of the trans cause, it's all I can see is the same female socialization. Yeah. Like the moment that men say, I'm hurting and they maybe cry a little bit. Uh, women will drop everything, including their brains, and have yeah. to take care of him. And that's yeah. what is happening over and over again, is women just saying, oh, it doesn't matter that you're going to take our spaces, our rights, our very word for ourselves. You can have it all. I'm a good woman. I'm going to give to you whatever the thing is you need. And it's this constant placating and nurturing of the super special wounded man, which is what these guys are. Yes. And it's just female socialization 101 and it just grinds my teeth like could you grow a spine (laughs) make a boundary and say no for yourself and for all other women and girls don't let them have it they don't have a right to it it's not theirs they're not women and they're not even particularly hurting they're just enjoying it that's all it's and they know how to manipulate that's all they're doing same shit different century. It's, I know. And then of like, course I get called. I'm the big meanie. I'm basically a bitch because I'm calling this out, but fine. Go ahead. Call called every name in the book. What do I care at this point? Just note the pattern that every time men say, Oh no, it's terrible. I'm hurting. And they'll use those tears manipulatively. And it does. Every woman just snaps too and starts nurturing.
1: When I started this whole, whole thing online, I was new to, running community stuff online i had always worked in person in communities and i started up a women's only um space to talk about birth and and birth trauma and birth outside the system and whatever and i got so heavily trolled uh, by women by almost exclusively white privileged women you know doing the good work and you know telling me to police a space based on genitals is toxic violent and hateful. That's what these, these girls told me. And it really woke my ass up because I hadn't had anyone do that yet. I have been running female only spaces since I was a teenager and I hadn't been vilified, uh, by women or men, as far as I was aware. I mean, who knows what happens behind my back, but this was the first time in a public space where this was coming in, and it really took me aback. And I was like, you know, unwaveringly clear on, well, of course, if, of course, we're going to talk about birth, why, why would anyone else other than females be allowed here? And, but I hadn't seen the work of the good virtue signaling, right. you know, liberal woman yet. I hadn't really seen that. And, and I'll admit, I mean, I, I, I thought I was a liberal feminist until a handful of years ago. You know, I didn't really get all this yet. Um, Not that I was letting men into my spaces. And that's kind of the big distinction in my life. I'm 35. And only in the last five years of my world, have I seen it be um, expected to be inclusive and be labeled hateful, that I would have the nerve to run a birth group for
2: women. And nobody ever flips it around and says the opposite. Like, I mean, you get called violent and hateful and bigoted and all this because you want a women-only space. No one ever says those men are being violent and invasive and bigoted and hateful. They don't belong in women's spaces. Like, why isn't it on them? Like, we're the ones who get called names. They never get called names for their behavior. It's just assumed that men are allowed to go wherever they want. Right. And the moment a woman says no, um, you know, she gets vilified for it. Um, How dare a woman say no? Right, and
1: not even... I haven't even been vilified from men.
2: It's been women doing it. It's work. other women. Yeah. It's women who police it. Yeah. So, I know. And it's because women are socialized. We're the ones who are socialized to do whatever it is that men want, whatever men demand, because they say they need it. Uh, it's women's job. It's our role to drop everything. We don't count. We don't matter. We have no needs. Take care of men. It runs and that's so all deep. These, that's-, that's all they're doing. That's all these women are doing. And we know what happens when women... I mean, I've had men throw hot cups of coffee at me because I said no. Like literally those guys, oh, why aren't you smiling? Oh, you know, all that. And I'm no, I'm not going to smile. I'm not here for your entertainment. And they get so outraged that a woman would draw a boundary and say, I'm not here for you. This is exactly the same thing writ large. Mm -hmm. It's a woman says no. And now everyone is going to tell her, don't stick your head up above the parapet like that. You're in danger. We're all in danger. You cannot say no to men. The only way to be a virtuous woman is to say yes to men, whatever they want. You provide it, and that's all they're doing over and over again.
1: Man, I have no just, clue.
2: I know, but it just galls me. It's like, can you not feel your own female socialization in this? And in These the birth, you. in the
1: birth world, you know, which is my orientation, it's 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 that it's that, and it's also. The very, 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 very few females who are trans-identified that also go on to choose to have a baby come out of their front holes, right, as they may call it, Um, and to chest feed and all of these, you know, terms, right, that are, are just, the left just loves them, right, in the name of inclusivity, but they're females. And so these birth photos, and maybe you've come across this, but these birth photos, you know, always go viral in the liberal Instagram spaces. um, And look at this, men give birth, men give birth, men give birth, men give birth. birth. And to say anything other than that is perceived, and I know you know this and anyone listening knows this because I've talked about this before, but um, is perceived as truly hateful to acknowledge the biological reality of what we're seeing because, and this leads us right into the executive order, because we are currently in a culture that, seems to prioritize gender identity above sexual reality, above biological reality. And so that's essentially, I guess, a perfect gateway into this absolutely insane, super scary, um, but I guess long time coming shift that is already began with the Obama administration, uh, Trump interestingly did put quite a bit of blocks to to stuff. I'm not an expert, but as I understand it and then Biden has picked things right back up. So I would I if if you're ready to go there, let's just let's just open up this can of worms because this is really what I want my listeners to start to understand the the long-term impact of of what so many people are doing and I'm sure many, many women, if you haven't turned this off yet, um, you know, and if you, I want to also acknowledge my own journey with this because as a doula in LA in my twenties, uh, I, I have attended trans identified female births. I've attended births of women who, um, who want, were trying their best to opt out of their, their gender roles and still chose to have a baby. Um, but I want to be very clear here. Never at any point did I watch a baby come out of a woman's vulva and think that's a man giving birth. This is an important distinction here. And and I get that this will ruffle some feathers, but I really want to acknowledge my own journey with this because I was fed the the, the same thing everyone is fed now on fucking steroids. You know, no pun intended, unfortunately, but I was fed in my 20s, you know, be nice, be inclusive. Um you know, some, some women will say they're men and they give birth and, and those people need support too, of course. And so we're just basically going to play along. And I did. And it wasn't, like I said, until I started this whole thing and I started to actually be vilified for having a woman only space. Did, did it require me in my own leadership to apply a critical eye to this? Because it got to a point where it was like, oh, well, can men actually come in here? Right. Which is a hard no for me. When I say in here, I mean our membership or in anything I do. It's all female only. Um, and so it was in that threat and then needing to really get clear on my whys and how to explain it and how to protect it that I had to do the deeper, the deeper work. So I'm acknowledging all of that to all of you because... I I think that most women have not done that critical work yet because they haven't had to. And so there is a short-sightedness to it because until someone spells this shit out to you of how this is going to hurt our daughters, how this is going to hurt the most vulnerable women of our community, of our nation, um, it's easy to just play the people pleaser. Sure, men give birth. I literally remember saying to one of my mentors, I, I mean, I don't mind saying it if it, it doesn't take anything away from me. I mean, it's fine. Like we all know they don't, but if she feels like a man, it's fine. I'll just say it. If that like validates, you know, what she needs, it makes her feel safer. That, that was kind of my pretty innocent, uninvestigated take on it, which is where I think a lot of women are at. And that's where we stop. And so now we have to go 14 steps past that of why we can't afford to do that anymore. And that's, that's what's been spelled out to me now in the last five years and why I am where I am and why this matters so deeply. Um, so so you can't be for women and girls and also be a trans right activist. You, you can't do both. This is a true war on women and girls. And it's going to and has already really harmed, raped, murdered, molested, you know, our, our daughters, our sisters, our aunties, our mothers. So...
2: <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I agree with all of that. Um, and I think that people know that they're living a lie and that's why they're so insistent on, you know, they're trying to make it illegal. They're trying to make or speech be the order of the day that you have to use their preferred pronouns and you have to really believe. I mean, they're trying to get into our heads to make us really not just say it, but believe it, um, because they're living a lie. It, I mean, I don't care if people call me something I'm not. Right. I could not care less because I know the reality. Well, they call things they yeah, are not right? all the time. <laughs> go ahead. It doesn't matter. It only doesn't push me to suicide. Um, but when you know that your your life is, you're living something that is just physically not true. I mean, you only have two options. One is to stand and face it and do whatever it is you need to do to come to terms with reality. Or uh, you can try to get everyone to play along with you as hard as you can. It eventually it will crumble. These are not mentally well people, but you know those those are your options. You're not going to change physical reality. I think everybody knows that that is just true. Like that that's the way most of us live, and we it's and yet here's these people with this just in completely insane level of demands on the rest mm-hmm. of the world, and and everyone's just giving in. And I don't I don't understand it. But it's not just the actual
1: trans identified people. It's the whole industry. It's the whole political gain. It's the whole virtue signaling women. I mean, 99% of the time when people message me and and email me the hate mail and the death threats and the, um, you know, that I'm literally killing trans people for saying the word mother and not capitulating to this nonsense of birthing people. It's almost always women who know they're women just doing doing their little drama on the internet.
2: Yep. No, it's and it's like we've been saying, this is how women are socialized, is they have to take care of men and children to be good women. And that's yeah. all they're doing is they're they're showing that they are the best women. They are good women. They're not going to get burnt at the stake. You know, none of this is going to happen to them because they're the good women. Well that's it. They're throwing us over into the fire. Yeah. So all right. So let's talk politics let's on it. this. Okay. Yes. So Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, we can go back quite a bit, but let's start in 1980. Um, this diagnosis that was gender identity disorder was added to the DSM-IV at that point. Um, this hadn't existed as a diagnosis before that. Um, so there had already been a decade or two of this kind of activism from these men. And these were guys who... Um, you know, they haven't changed. It's really the same people. There's just more of them now. Mm. Um, so mostly they have pretty severe personality disorders. Along with that comes um, a collection of paraphilias, of sexual fetishes. And they are extremely attached to the idea of experience, experiencing subordination as a woman. That's ultimately what this comes down to. Um, and so they build a whole political movement around, it's a men's sexual rights movement is what this is. And they managed to get a hold of, you know, oh. enough money and enough power that they were able to get this diagnosis inserted into the DSM-4. So that wow. was 1980. Um So there had been a decade or two of this already where they were applying all these kinds of pressures to the different psychological associations to get this in there. And the reason they needed it in there was because if, it, if they could have it declared an actual problem, a psychological problem, then... Um, they could then make the claim that they needed these surgeries and these drugs exactly. in order to feel better. Now we don't treat any other psychological problem with surgery. With just taking, I mean, off let's body just admit, like that's not a thing. When teenage girls are anorexics, we don't say, "Marvelous, let's give you a liposuction and you know help you starve yourself with diet pills." We don't do that. We try to help them figure out why you hate yourself so much. What can we do about it? What behavioral changes can we make? Nobody asserts that this is a state of health or a state right. of, you know, the natural being of these girls just happens to be someone who really wants to be thin. We understand that there are social pressures point. on them. We get it. And mm-hmm. we don't do those things to them. We just don't. We do our best to keep them away from that stuff because we want them to get better. But in this case, they were demanding those surgeries and, and the chemical interventions. And the only way to get that paid for was to have, there be something somewhere that would say, oh, yes, this is really a problem and Hmm. we can address it with medical interventions. So they had that added in 1980. And then uh, it was changed in 2013. They took it out and they put it in instead as uh, gender identity dysphoria or gender dysphoria, I think is the new one. So they changed that a little bit. And they're still riding the spine line because they wanna say, oh, there's nothing wrong with being trans. We just need help. But if there's something wrong with you, then why do you need surgery? Like it doesn't actually right. make any sense. Um, regardless, you already had this movement that had been building. And the the origins of this are really quite homophobic. I mean, they really started in the forties and fifties trying to figure out well, why are gay men gay? Well, they must clearly just be women stuck in men's bodies. So, how can we help them? And this was really an attempt to, to try to medicalize away gayness in men. Um, and indeed, the same hormones were given to, to gay men in the 40s and the 50s. They gave them estrogen to try to quote, cure them of homosexuality. Um, and then, you know, the gay liberation movement happened and, that stopped as a thing. Like that's not even an analysis that most people even think of anymore as a social trope, you know, that's kind of available in the culture. Like they really made a lot of good progress with that, but instead this other group of men really ran with it. And, and so these are the autogonophiles. These are the guys who they really want to experience what they think of as the thrills of female subordination. So they build this movement, they get themselves into the DSM four in 1980 um, and then they keep going. So a whole bunch of them actually have quite a bit of money and power. It's just that a lot of this happens behind the scenes. And I mean, I've known so many people who like right now in this moment would say, where did all this come from? I never heard about this five years ago. Mm -hmm. Now they're everywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you miss those few decades where they were actually building a political movement, but this didn't just come out of nowhere. Of course. So quite a number of them are billionaires. That's not an exaggeration. You have guys like Martine Rothblatt, who's a a tech billionaire. um, And he calls himself a woman. He's been on the cover of like Fortune or Forbes or one of those big uh, business, you know, magazines as the wealthiest woman in the world, the most successful businesswoman. And he's a man. Um, And, you know, this might be a little bit off topic, but he's also really big in the transhumanism thing. So a lot of these guys, I mean, this... They're very, very disconnected from from nature, from the actual flow of life. Like they really hate it, and so he thinks he's one of the people who really thinks that we're going to upload ourselves into computers, and we won't need these horrible, nasty um, living bodies anymore that are flesh and bone and feel and have pain and have joy and you know bleed and <laughs> vomit and eat and you know have all of the living experiences that living creatures have. All of that is beneath him. Um, and what he really wants is for all of us to live forever inside computer circuits. And that's a very common theme. That's one. Stuff. And this is not, she's not exaggerating, Go by the it. way. If He's anyone written is the real. book. You can read right. it. I couldn't this is, make this It up.
1: sounds right. It sounds crazy <laughs> if this is new, if you're new and to the transhumanist it, stuff, but no. like the end result is AI integration, like yeah. entirely. It's, it's, this is not, yeah, this is real.
2: And the. Social psychologist Eric Fromm talks about sadism and how the root of sadism is really, it's it's the love for mechanical things and it's trying to turn the living into the dead. And that's Mm. what they're after. And it it is, there's a sexual thrill in it for them. It is the ultimate act of domination. All of this is sort of wrapped up in this kind of sexual fetishism that they have. None of it is a life affirming experience. It is all about hating life and needing to dominate. And this really does just go back to Wow. The dark heart of patriarchy. And there it is in somebody like Martin Rathblatt. The mm-hmm. problem with him is he's not just a basement dweller who we can kind of feel sorry for and maybe laugh at. He's a billionaire who has funded a huge amount of this. And there's a whole bunch of these guys out there who have this kind of money and this kind of power. Um, they run Google. <laughs> they run Facebook. Um, you know, yeah. this is why feminists keep getting kicked off of all the social medias. This is, is behind the scenes and they do hate us. For pointing out yeah. the truth. So Humanists we're up against a lot. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So another one, we've got the Pritzker family. Now these are, the Pritzkers are, It's, a, a, it's they started as a, a drug company. So they're pharmaceutical and pharmaceutical company. I mean, they're huge, right? I think everybody has some sense of how large these corporations can be. But of course they don't just have their fingers in that pie. They also are, um, They've got, they own a hotel chain. I think it's Marriott chain. I don't know. One of the really big hotel chains. Hyatt. It's the Hyatt. Yes. I think the Marriott's are owned by Mormons. Um, They've got the Hyatt's and then they also have all these um, other kinds of industrial concerns. I mean, you don't just, you can't just like pull out one thread when you're talking about global, global, globalization, global capitalism. It's always going to be that they own a whole bunch of, so they're also just huge, right? I mean, it's just billions of dollars every year and but, you know, the, the core of their thing is pharmaceutical stuff. And they, they're they from Illinois. The Pritzker family is from Illinois. So there's a whole bunch of them that have been, you know, also in the political realm, the governor of Illinois is Pritzker. And they saw an up-and-coming young politician was running for state senate in Illinois, and his name was Barack Obama. And they bet on him. They gave him a lot of money. They bought him a Senate seat in Illinois, and from there, um, he quickly came into the you know the, the you know came into view of the the Democratic the National Democratic Party because you know he's very compelling and he's a good speaker and he's got the right background and this is we can do something with this so. He gave that big speech at the Democratic National Convention. I had never heard of him before that. Um, mm. And before you knew it, he was running for president. And you know who put him there? The Pritzkers. And I'm not the only corporation that bet on Obama, but they were one of the big ones. And they bought him the president. They bought him a Senate seat in, the, in Congress, and then they bought him the presidency. This is not in any way to you know, particularly blame Obama. This is how politics happen in the United States. Everyone. Yeah. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's literally how it's done. Corporations were declared people over 100 years ago. They were given all the rights that the rest of us actual <laughs> okay, people yeah, have. It. It's insane. And okay. that includes their First Amendment rights. So, you know, the Supreme Court has ruled over and over again, you cannot limit the amount of money that corporations give to political campaigns because that's right. considered, quote, speech. So this is why people across the political spectrum, whether it's right, left, middle, we all feel like we have no say in our political Mm -hmm. process and we're not crazy. Mm -hmm. We don't have a say. None of us have a billion dollars to buy ourselves a senator. They do. We don't. We're just average people making whatever, $20,000 a year. We're never going to be able to compete with this. And that's why we actually have a lot more in common with people on the right than we might think, because there Mm -hmm. is a way that, that they realize that they are getting fucked by the system. Now, a lot of what goes on after that, you know, it's, yeah, we've got a lot of talking to do, but that part of it they're correct about. They understand that there is something going on that has disempowered them, and it is about power, and it is about money. And the Pritzkers are a part of that, any of these large corporations. Yeah. So they bought him these... They did, they bought him all these seats. And then at the end of his term, he put out these, the dear colleague letters, He put out these executive orders that told all these different federal agencies that from this point forward, they are going to have to consider gender identity as sex. So any institution that was receiving federal money had to let men and boys call themselves women and girls and be treated the same. So he did that at the end of his presidency and, you know, the results were fairly catastrophic for women and girls. It, and the
1: reason that that family cared about this was there was a trans-identified male in their family, right? There was there some... There is,
2: yes. There's Jennifer Pritzker, who is a man who was in the military, and now he wants to say that he's a woman, and we're all supposed to go along with that. Um, but more so than there's that... There's a personal there's agenda. a very personal agenda with one of the central figures in that family. And also, they make a lot of money. Pharmaceuticals. Well, like, that's it. They're going to make <laughs> yeah. a lot of money on this. They've got a whole mm-hmm. new population now where they can sell their drugs and their surgical procedures so there's money involved and again, Obama
1: gets bought he gets bought and and this
2: is out this this is the payback this is how he paid back the Pritzers he's also friends with them I mean they hang out like this is and this is politics this is how it's done this is you know so they know him he knows them they have very and she knows this you know by the way
1: everybody because this is public record this is public information anybody can read this
2: go look on the, the Wikipedia page for the Pritzkers you read this there's currently a Pritzker who's governor of Illinois. So this is what we're up against folks. I mean, we really need to understand the level of just power influence money that they have. So he rolls
1: this out yeah. and it's catastrophic, but it's barely
2: covered. Yeah, no, but I mean, the only, the only people on the left who will cover it will say, Oh, isn't this wonderful? These poor press right. trans girls can now run on the, on the track team. And I want right. you to remember what it was like being a 12 year old girl in a public restroom at your at your school your junior high getting your period remember how excruciating it was to like open the wrapper because you knew the other girls could hear it and everybody was going to know that you were having your period now put a boy Mm. in that room just put a boy in that room I mean just can you imagine what we're doing to these girls and the media won't cover these stories but if you just walk it back a tiny bit behind the scenes. You can find the girls who will tell you how horrifying it is. Oh, yeah. And they have no and protection. And don't use the bathrooms. They won't. They will hold in their urine yeah. all day long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll do their best not to use anything. Um, mm-hmm. It's horrible. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we... at the level of sadism. I don't yeah. understand how anybody can inflict this on teenage girls. I remember what it was like to be a teenage girl. And I remember what the boys were like. And if you think they're not going to use this to get into the girls' room... You don't know mm. what teenage boys are like. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I'll see this conversation online a lot, you know, where like they'll be in these articles and then in the comments, there will be people saying, oh, no boy would ever do that. And then there'll be somebody who's like, well, my son and his friends are in the room in the kitchen right now. I'm going to go ask them. And they go and they ask 15 year old boys, would you pretend to be a girl to get into the locker room? And they all say yes. Of course. At of all course I they do. say, we know this, right? Like right, We know right. what predators do and we well, certainly know what teenagers we have- will do.
1: When we have a global community of women with almost unilaterally shared molestation, uh you know, rape, assault, the, the whole shebang, it's not like it's not right in front of us. Like right. the leading cause of death globally of women is men. Right. It's not complicated. It's just right. that... We don't want to look at it. And yeah. and I think, you know, there is a helplessness, you know, kind of built into it, right? That's kind of the deal with oppression, you know, to, to feel that element and stay, like you said, subordinate, da-da-da-da, um, and just try to survive, right? Like, you know, that's the other piece when we're all stuck in survival, Um this concept of conscious raising and getting resourced and speaking and all of this stuff is, is not an easy thing to access internally, which is why we need to have these conversations, why we need community, why we need female only spaces. Like you said at the beginning, you know, it was making me think of, um, the birth sharing circles that I've always led because when you get a group of women together and they all start telling the same story yeah. of how they were held down and, you know, raped with instruments and gas lit and then had a surgery they didn't need. And the woman next to them is like, that's my story. They told me that I was unique and that I needed that C-section. But I've been in spaces where 10 women have the same C-section story, Right. And so it's it's impossible that all 10 of those women would have needed surgery and none of them needed to be violated, raped or assaulted. Right. And so this is what happens when you bring women together is they share their stories and you realize it's not special. Your trauma is not unique. And it's shared. And so, you know, of course, there's a huge right in front of us. It's almost the water we swim in as fish. You can't even fucking see it. It's so glaringly obvious that everything in our society wants to keep women isolated and keep women shut up, basically. So, so take me back to the order and what are kind of the key? So we covered the Obama thing. Yeah. And so then Trump came in
2: and he tried to do away with most of it. And he actually did a pretty good job at that. It's hard to admit that Trump did something. I know, good. right? But that's one thing he did that was pretty yeah. okay. Um, He's he, done a couple he, things. He did a few I'm things. Like, actually, they okay. said <laughs> the Trump administration was also really good on sex trafficking. Yep. It did more, more than exactly. all the Democrats put together. And just, yep. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. It's just true. And of course
1: it got no media. None at all, Paris. but it's
2: there. It's there. Yeah. And it's kind of stunning. And actually his, uh, his wife really cares about trafficked women. And that was one of her main things. But mm-hmm. since the li- liberal media couldn't say a single good thing about the mm-hmm. Trumps, we didn't hear about it, but they mm-hmm. won some really good victories for trafficked women. Anyway, well, so then Trump loses. All right. Um, mostly that's a good thing, right? Um, but along comes Biden and he promised to do this and now he's done it. Um, so on four hours four into hours. it. He was president. He went ahead and signed this huge executive order. So all of the, anybody in the, all the federal agencies are now under order. They have to review all of their policies and all of their procedures and try to figure out um, how to insert gender identity um, everywhere that there's sex. So that basically boys and, and men are, are supposed to be treated as girls and women if they say that they are. If they want to be. If they want to be. If they yeah. they say that that's a thing, that they have a quote gender identity, um, then they get to have it and they get to take whatever they want from them so, but, but Lear, it's called the Equality Act. You know, right. So, the Equality Act um, will have to be passed by Congress. Um, that hasn't happened yet. They promised to pass it in the first hundred days. They've kind of rolled that back a little bit because they've got honestly a lot more important things to do right now. But they are still intending to pass it. And that will amend the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is, you know, in, in, that's the crowning jewel of the civil rights movement. And they're going to insert gender identity in there so that. Um, anybody who claims they have a, quote, transgender identity will then have to be treated as the sex that they're claiming to be.
1: So let's make sure this is very, 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 very crystal clear for everyone listening. So this means, and please correct me if I say anything wrong here, this means that if and when this passes and is all official, that on a federal level, gender identity will trump biological reality. Yes. Yes. It yeah, will, priori- it will be, it will be the, the new priority. priority. Yeah. So currently we have sex-based policies. We have sex-based protection. Uh, we have sex-based spaces. We have sex-based language. Uh, we're again, we're talking about a legal federal yeah. level and that is all changing. It's not about to change. It's already begun changing because Obama kicked us off and you know, you, you know, all of you, you know, online already see it happening in the in the zeitgeist. But now, this is actually happening on a very real, legal, political, governmental level.
2: Yeah. So the entire federal government is going to be doing this, um, and they have a hundred days. They're supposed to get back with their plan to insert gender identity um, anywhere that it says sex. So that is now... So that's every... Just think about all the different federal agencies. That's the Department of Education. So that's all the schools, every public school, anybody who gets public money to run a school. It's all of our schools. Elementary, all of them. All shelters, the college, prisons. All of it. So the prisons, the HUD is the Housing and Urban Development. That's all the homeless shelters. That's where they get all their money. The, the Bureau of Prisons, though. So I just want you to imagine being a woman locked in a 10 by 10 cell, And now you've got a sexual predator who's a six-foot-tall man who's claiming to be a woman, and he's going to be locked in that cell with you. And that's what we're talking about. What we know from the little bit of research that we do have is that, for instance, in the United Kingdom, uh, women worked really hard to get these statistics out there. Um, Half of the men in prison who call themselves transgender, who identify as transgender, half of them are in for sexual offenses. So they're sexual predators way more. The average, I think it's 13% of the of the regular population of men are sexual offenders, wow. but of the, tr- the men who call themselves trans, it's half. And one of the things...
1: And this is all with like a 3% conviction rate yeah, of the 13% with, right. magical number. We like we it are,
2: yeah. No, it's not. It's almost none of them ever go to jail. So that's right. what we're doing. And we know who the women are in prison. They're the poorest women. They're the most abused women. They all have histories of sexual abuse as children, battering as adults, terrible drug histories, um, prostitution. I mean, we're talking about um, a population of women that have been just over and over again been violated and terrified Mm. by men. And now here they are in prison and we're going to stick the most horrifying violent men literally locked in a cell with them. And this is one of those moments where I just thought, When it gets to that point, the adults will step in and say, we're not going to do this. And of course, nobody is saying that. We have cases. And that happened under Obama. Already happened. Yeah. Yeah. There are cases all over the country where women have been already raped by these men. It's already happened to people and the media will not cover it. So it's happened in Texas. It's happened in Illinois. It's happened in Washington state. It's happened in California.
1: So on a federal level. Yeah. The entire nation. Yeah. Man- Rapes woman, kills woman, kills someone else, does whatever, is going to prison. Wait, wait. I identify as a woman. And it trumps all. Yes. They don't say no. they're not selecting no. where people go based on based on biological reality, based on gender. Like what we based know these comments. men are gonna to
2: continue to do to the women that they have access to. We know what they're
1: doing. This do. isn't and this isn't um we're not speculating. It's already There's happened. already a history of it's this. But you have to remember happened. with no, almost literally no media coverage, it's very easy to not see this if you aren't intentionally trying to keep your eye on this. It's hard to
2: find this stuff. Well, and it seems so unbelievable that we would ever do that as a culture. Right. That as a society, we would suddenly pretend that men are not going to behave the way that men have behaved um right right the, 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 oh all of a sudden uh, these men are going to be wonderful and they're not going to rape the women that they're locked in a subway well with. men
1: make men make the rules yeah and yeah. then break the rules because they don't apply to the fucking rules so okay so this means so so this means schools this means um prisons this means
2: shelters prisons it means homeless shelters and battered women's shelters if you have ever tried to escape from a batterer you know how obsessive they are they are stalkers it can be decades till you get free um and now all they have to say is, oh, I'm being battered. And they'll be allowed into the women's shelter where their victim has fled to find safety. They are now going to have to let men in. If you think a batterer isn't going to do that, right. you don't know batterers. It's the very first thing you're going to do. Right.
1: This is just the open door. It is. It is. So there's no such thing as a women's shelter. There's no such thing as women's, pres- uh, women's prisons. And there's no such thing as women's sports. But sports still is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. You know,
2: it's what's happening. And for the for the girls and the women who care about it, it's, I mean, it's their exactly. lives. If I was never an athlete, it's not something that moves me particularly, but there's just no question that if you are an athlete, if that's your your skill and your passion, you should be allowed to do it. And you can build a life on that. You can get a scholarship yeah. to college on that. Like it can change everything for girls to have access to college through a scholarship, playing volleyball or running on the track team or whatever, playing that, you know, whatever it is, like whatever your sport is, whatever your, whatever the thing is that you're good at and they're taking it away. You can look at the... Meaning
1: that a boy or a man can... Uh, now apply for those same scholarships for those same yeah. spaces. They can be, you know, they're gonna, they're they're stronger, faster. It's been proven time and time again. So now they can win, you know, the records and they will hold the records. I believe there already are some records held. Yes, there are some
2: already. That's already happened. There's two boys, for instance, in, in Connecticut, there's two boys who joined the girls track team. You can watch the videos online. Just watch them win over these girls. It's just a joke. Of course they were going to win. For Girls Track in Connecticut, yeah, Andrea Yearwood is the one guy's name. And they won. And so now there are now all these records that are held by boys.
1: You're going to be able to change birth certificates and even death certificates, like how you can in Canada, if I'm understanding it correctly. And so the stats are going to be even more screwed up around sexual assault and battery because it's going to start showing this bizarre uptick of women, air quotes, raping, murdering, harming other women, but it's really going to be men who say they're women. But because you're allowed to all, nothing means anything anymore. Our actual um, our actual data is going to become more and more screwed up and we
2: need that data for funding. Yeah, and that's already happened. There was an article, I think it was in the um, United Kingdom. I think it was in Scotland. And there was a big article that came out that said, wow, what do you know? In the last three years, the, the rate of women perpetrating sexual assault has doubled, doubled. Yeah, it did. It went from 1% to 2%. And it's all because these men are calling themselves women and they have committed hideous crimes against women up to and including murder. And they get counted as as female offenders and they're not, they're men. Also, you just remember a lot of the prisons aren't set up for men, that the level of security that's needed to keep violent men, um, you know, under wraps is dramatically different than right. the average woman's prison because women aren't violent offenders. We know this. The men commit 96% of the violent crime and 98% of the sexual crime. And most women's prisons are, are you don't need that level of security. Um, and now you're going to put some of the worst offenders in the world into situations where, A, of course they're going to, you know, put all these women at risk, but it, everybody's going to be at risk because there's not there's not a safe way to contain them in, in that level Everybody. of Um, of prison confinement that's that's built for women because women just don't do those things and it just all
1: comes back to patriarchy and capitalism yeah it does like every it's all about money and who owns what and power and domination i mean it's it's all right there
2: and everyone's just gonna let their it's they're turning the girls over to this and i just (sighs) i i mean i so this whole thing now is is really kind of up on the you know, across social media because there's various states where Republicans, sadly, are the ones who are defending girls' sports. And so they've proposed and now passed a few bills that are, they're trying to protect the right of biological girls. Didn't Tulsi do that in Hawaii? She too. tried, yeah, yeah. There's, um so Alabama, I think is the, the, no, Mississippi just did it. They passed a bill that says you have to be a biological girl to actually in the girls' sports team. And so, of course, you know, I dive in there and try to read the comments. And there's just these, these people who say ridiculous things like, "Well, girls need to learn that lesson that it, you know fairness is more important than winning." I'm like, "Oh, boys never have to learn that lesson. Fairness—it's always the girls that have to give wow. over." Fairness, fairness would be saying, "No, you're only going to play with boys, and we don't care if you wear lipstick. Go ahead and play with the boys. That's fair. Exactly. Um, boys playing against girls—we know. Even by age four, boys already have physical advantages. Let alone at age sixteen. So, anyway, that was like
1: you. It was like that you spoke on this with the other episode, and I had, I had read, I've listened to a couple different podcasts that cover the, the, um, the lawsuit that took place with the man in the funeral home mm-hmm. and, and Stevens, Cliff. Yeah. yeah. Cliff Notes for anyone who doesn't know this. It, and please correct me if I say anything off, but the Cliff Notes are he, uh, wanted to be a woman. And so he, and the funeral home had a, um, had a dress code for men and women. And that is a, Law that you are allowed to do that with private businesses. And so he sued the funeral people because they he wanted to wear the girls' uniform. And because he's a man, they said no. And so he sued them. And I thought you made such a an important point in in when I heard you speak about this previously, that he he attacked the wrong problem. That the problem is having gendered dress codes. It's not. Trying to say that you're a girl or a boy. And it's and I feel like this has happened at so many parts along the way where there could have been these epically transformational um, feminist de-gendering, you know, de-stereotyping, just incredible moves of equality and of consciousness raising um, and we've just missed the fucking mark at all of these. I mean, I get that there's an agenda behind it; and it's all yeah. very intentional and da da da. But you know that that I thought was a good example of this lawsuit that went really far, and it didn't attack the right issue. The issue is these stupid, outdated, unhelpful stereotypes right. that hurt both
2: sexes. They don't just hurt girls; right. they hurt boys. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. So, and that's called the Bostock decision. There were three cases that the Supreme Court sort of melted into one to make that decision. And Bostock is what um, Biden cited in his executive order. He said, because the Supreme Court has ruled this, now we can say that gender identity is a thing. The Supreme Court never defined gender identity or they called it transgender status. They never defined it. Um, Right. Nobody can define it.
1: Right. It's completely
2: incoherent. And I want people to understand this. Like, I've looked at all these. Definitions that various states have tried to put forward. New Jersey is a gender identity, is a gender-related identity. If you think I'm kidding, I'm not. That's what it says. Yeah. It's utter nonsense. There is no such thing. Just give it up, people. You're obsessed with a certain set of stereotypes that you like right. those better, all right, have at it. But you're not a different human being, and it certainly doesn't change your biology. You oh, can we're like going what you in like, but it's the wrong it, direction. Yeah, there's no such thing. Anyway. Yeah, so that's where we are. So we have 100 days to try to stop this executive order business So because the, all the federal agencies have been giving 100 days. So the clock is ticking. I don't know that we're really going to be, be able to make a dent in this. And then soon after that, at some point this year, probably we're going to get the Equality Act will be back for Congress. So that will be even harder to fight because if that gets set into law in the Civil Rights Act, um, it's going to be a generation before we're able to God roll some of this back, but I, it's just really terrifying. I don't know how bad it has to get before people will sit up and take notice. I will say that the normies are on our side. Yeah. I mean, my organization, Wolf, has done um, public polling about this. We've actually hired a a firm that does that kind of stuff. And um, they, they did find, I mean, just pretty much across the board, most people say it's not right to put men in women's prisons. It's not fair to put boys in girls' sports. Like most normal average people who haven't really been up against this and haven't been told they're bigots, um, <laughs> they get it. Like we all know men are bigger and stronger. It, uh, we've seen it our whole lives. We don't need to explain to us. We know it's not fair or right. And so most people, they still agree. Yeah. I find
1: that too, that the most people see the logic, see the, when this is broken down, okay, well, this means this, this means men are going to be in women's prisons. This mean that boys and men are on, on sports teams and take the scholarships yeah. and, you know, even, even in job hiring, right. That, that the, the spots allocated for, for females now are up for grabs. And uh, yeah, I, I've, I, haven't really met anyone or talked with anyone when you, when you lay that down, that isn't, um, logical, you know, around this, but so what? They're also not making this their issue and, you know, getting all behind it like we need, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people have gotten engaged in this because they have a teenage child, usually a girl who gets caught Mm -hmm. up in this social contagion Mm -hmm. and starts hating her body for reasons that we all understand and wants a way Mm -hmm. out and has now been told online on Twitter and on Tumblr Mm -hmm. and on whatever that, oh, no, you're not a girl. You're actually a real human being. Yeah, it's just, you you can switch your sex. You can do this and go ahead and, and, you know, insist on on taking these dangerous chemicals and then you can have these surgeries and then everyone will, will know that you're really a boy because you are really a boy because you're, you're a real human. You're, you're not one of those icky girls who actually deserves this. And wants this and was made to do this, no, 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 no. You're the real person. And it's just an accident of birth. So go ahead and get that fixed. And a, a lot of parents are horrified when their teenage girl starts saying this to them. Um, and they don't understand where it comes from. And then they, they try to help. And then they realize that actually all the institutions around them have already been captured. So they can't get help from the school, they can't get help from the doctor, they can't get help from a therapist, um, they can't get help at church or synagogue or wherever they go. It's Everyone has already swallowed the woke woke Kool-Aid and then they realize this is terrifying and my girl is going to be permanently damaged and she will be if you can't stop it. I mean, let's be really clear what these drugs do to young bodies and brains. It makes them infertile, it destroys their reproductive organs we don't know the long term effects on the brain, but they absolutely are real. Um, you know, not to mention the
1: multiple mastectomies yeah. as their little buds I grow, know. you know, on their chest and and yeah, the hysterectomies of young girls. And there's already oh
2: um, an entire generation of girls who has been through this and come out the other end. So you can yeah. listen to the voices of the, the desisters and the detransitioners and the kind of regret that they have about what's been in their bodies uh, and it is just heartbreaking, you know that the woke got them first. That the these absolute misogynist transgenderist agenda got them first. You can go to Planned Parenthood and they will give you testosterone. And in some states, like Oregon, you can get the mastectomy at age fifteen, and with parental permission, they're doing it younger and younger. In California, they're absolutely doing it at age thirteen. There's all kinds of hospitals in the Bay Area where you can have your breast removed oh at age God. thirteen. It's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, those poor things and then they're thrown into medical menopause. Menopause is hard enough at age 56, let me tell you. We're talking about, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old girls who already have vulvar vaginal oh atrophy God. who will be have urinary incontinence for the rest of their lives. Sci-fi. This is, you know, this is yeah. this is what's happening and it we've got to stand up and fight for women and girls. This shit is utter it's it's utter misogyny right. is all it is. It's been packaged as something wonderful, but it's not. Something I wanted to share was
1: uh, many, many years ago, I was having a conversation with a dear friend of mine who's a butch lesbian in California. And uh, thankfully, she's older, so she uh, didn't have to deal with this stuff in her 20s and 30s. And we were having to talk about this. And she said, you know, what's really fucked up is all I'd have to do is say I'm trans. And I would become at the top of the social pyramid of the queer community. But being a butch lesbian, no one gives a fuck about me. But people ask me, even in her 60s, people ask her, when are you going to transition now in the last couple, you know, the last five years plus? And she lives in the Bay and, you know, the whole thing. And she said, it's just so crazy because all I'd have to do, I wouldn't have to change one thing. I wouldn't even have to cut my tits off. All I'd have to do is just say I'm a guy. And instantly she would be elevated socially. And I I found that. And she's not the only woman who's told me this. Um, And I just, that really stuck with me because I thought that was an interesting commentary that you don't really hear publicized all, all that much. Um, and you see it in the younger girls now, you know that how it how it breeds in social groups, right? So just like how a lot of disorders and dysmorphias do, um, how one girl kind of comes out as trans and then all her friends do also. And you know, there's all these studies that are coming out around that in books, thankfully. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, that that really that really stuck with me. and 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 then the the other thing I wanted to share is I, I used to know a woman who was in tech in Silicon Valley and I was having a really hard time climbing the ladder right? And, you know, it's a, it's a boy's game. It's a boy's game at the bar after work and, and the whole, the whole thing. And, um, she has, um, a pretty, a pretty gnarly history of sexual, um, trauma and she decides to cut her breasts off and change her name and become air quotes, become a a man. And within two years she had got promoted. She was being invited out to the bars. She's making twice the money. And of course, right? And so she's a good example. And I think of her often because she actually did the most misogynistic thing she could have done, which is to say, I don't like being oppressed. So I'm going to join the oppressors. I'm going to just opt out. Even though, you know, we're arguing that you actually can't opt out, but you can make an effort. She certainly made an effort. You can cut your breasts off and you can change your name and you can make everyone, you know, in, in a liberal arena, you know, affirm you. And look what happened. It actually, for her life, served her, right? Right. But left all of us in the fucking dust, and th- yeah. and this is this is kind of yeah, like the last the last thing I really want to say here because you know I've had this podcast for four years and I've never I've never openly covered this topic, and I'm really glad to be doing it now. And I want to say that the most feminist thing that we can all do is say this is woman too. Okay, so when. When a woman wants to shave her head and wear cargo pants and and wear baggy shirts and, um, you know, be a fucking construction worker or a tech person, that's woman too. Because you cannot opt out of your womanhood. But the most feminist thing you can do is not pretend you're non-binary, but to say this is woman too. And if we can get a couple generations expanding the, the um, umbrella of what woman is instead of acting like this insane idea that we can opt out, but really push for an expansion of what woman is. Um, I think that's really going to to obviously create some pretty radical change. I mean, I've seen it in our community level. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in my household's life. Um, but but we have to start with you can't opt out. And so when we come up against that wall of oh fuck this sucks, it sucks to be scared of men. It sucks to be put into these boxes. Yeah, it does suck. So don't opt out. Push it over. Right. And it can happen with, with, with women, you know, coming together because we see it in our microclimates. You know, we do see it in our communities and in ourselves, you know, with women like us. Yeah, exactly. So connect to your humanity. Connect to your humanity. Right. And so anything like, what if we tried that on, that anything you did, whatever sex you are, I assume it's pretty much all women listening. What if we tried that on? Anything you do is woman too anything you feel or think, any characteristic, any way you wear your body, any way you play with your body, any way you hate your body, whatever you do, it's all woman too. And that is the way forward. That's the way to freedom. That's the way that actual sustainable change is going to occur. It's not by this short-sighted opting out. It's just infuriating because so much of this I know I'm preaching to the choir, but so much of this is so short-sighted and, and it's so rooted in one of, I mean, it's a lot of things, but one of the things is I think it really speaks to the true lack of understanding of female oppressive issues across the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how can people find you and, and, and what are kind of the obvious, um, steps for women who are jazzed up and want to, want to get behind this?
2: Well, I have a website, so you can you can find my website. And this is a joke. I say, oh, it's really easy. It's my name, learkeith.com. That's a joke because I have a weird name. But anyway, <laughs> learkeith.com, you can you can find that. But more important is to get involved politically. So there's a bunch of really great groups you can join um, that are in the United States. You can join WOLF, which is the Women's Liberation Front, and you can join the Women, Women's Women's Rights Campaign. Um, both of those have websites and Facebook groups, and it's that's really the best way is get involved and then you've got to find women locally yeah. who want to do stuff with you because you're going to have to fight this. You're going to have to fight it at your school board. You're going to have to fight it at your library. You're going to have to fight it at your local doctor. You're going to have to fight it at your hospital. It, whatever you've got going there, you're going to have to fight it. It's This is everywhere now mm-hmm. and they're coming for our daughters.
1: <sighs> yeah. And I'm going to put those links in the show notes and also... Um, please donate what you can to the Women's Picket DC. And that is where I will be March 8th assembling against this insanity. Good. All right. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. This is wonderful.
1: And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on FreeBirthSociety.com. Our online courses are on FreeBirthSocietyCourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise, and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shia LaRae. And now, I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme
0: song, Wild Woman, by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon This sacred portal will be honoured Eons upon light beams of survival Withstanding the eradication of our power by design I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me My sisters will no longer birth in captivity The picket line redefined from burning our wild women To paralysing us and drugging our babes strapped down in a clinical white bed drying up the milk from our breasts keep your needles my family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison we reject your fear we choose love everything with intention death ascension i will fly and bring her back from the stars.